Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, I am so excited to say we have Brooke Hammerling, the founder of The New New Thing and writer and podcaster for Pop Culture Mondays. Though she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Brooke, thank you so much for being here. Alexis, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I love to follow in some of the big footprints of other guests you've had. The big audio waveforms of my past guests. (laughs) Yes, the ghosts of podcast guests. I'm very excited. I'm so happy to have you here. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. I'm ready. Woo! Hell yeah. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Knock, the most powerful notifications infrastructure you'll never build. So I'm not an engineer, but I've worked with enough engineers to understand that building your notifications infrastructure in-house is um, is hard, <laughs> like really hard. It doesn't seem hard at first because we all send texts, but then it's time to go multi-channel. And soon your simple decision trees start to look like a terrifying decision forest and it's getting dark out. But by the time you've weed whacked your way through, your users are clamoring for another comms channel. Luckily, there's a better way. With Knox's powerful API, you get a complete product notification system that includes batching, cross-channel delivery, and preference management, so users can choose which notifications they want to be alerted about. Who doesn't love a flexible, reliable notifications infrastructure set up in minutes? Hey, don't knock it till you try it. That's not actually their slogan, but it probably should be. Anyway, get started today for free at knock.app slash non-technical. That's knock, K-N-O-C-K dot A-P-P slash non-technical. Brooke Hammerling is the founder of The New New Thing, a strategic communications advisory firm, which she launched in 2020, working with clients like Live Nation, Public.com, Geneva, Hims and Hers, and Medley, to name a few. She has spent more than 25 years helping some of the most successful tech entrepreneurs shape their communication strategies. In 2005, Brooke started Brew PR, a pioneering media relations agency that represented some of the most renowned and disruptive tech companies. Brew was sold to London-based PR firm Freud's in 2016. Brooke's other babies are the Pop Culture Monday's newsletter, a weekly roundup of all the news you're too embarrassed to admit you don't know, or too embarrassed to admit you do know, and the accompanying Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays podcast, which has had guests including iconic tech journalist Kara Swisher and famed internet culture columnist Taylor Lorenz. Brooke divides her time between New York and Los Angeles. Brooke Hammerling, welcome to Non-Technical. Oh my God, 25 years, it's so crazy. 25 years. It's like, I don't, I remember my first day of my first job. I remember my wow. outfit. So I can't even. <laughs> you remember your outfit? Years. I do. I remember. What was I it? Remember, oh my God, babe. <laughs> first of all, I don't even know if you're around when this brand was. And it, if it is around, it was, it's so cheesy, but it's what I could afford in 1997. Sure. And it was BB. It was a BB. Yeah. Like B-E-B-E. Yeah. B-E-B-E. And you know, I was very much a nineties girl. So it was like the black polyester material skirt with the blazer, with Mm -hmm. a blue shirt, tights and loafers. (gasps) Tights and loafers. Here we go. Matte black tights. But also it was warm and I don't know what I was thinking. I was like in the pearl necklace and it was like a butterfly collar. And for 1997, that sounds absolutely top of the line chic. Like that, you nailed it. Butterfly barrette. 
because it was very Delia's in 1990s. Absolutely. Yeah. You had to have something butterfly, I think, in the 90s to be a part of the zeitgeist. Well, did I lean into that? I mean, mm-hmm. I had butterfly barrettes all Amazing. throughout my hair. It was like the Drew Barrymore sort of yes. moment where we yes. wore a lot of glitter and white makeup around our eyes to make them theoretically pop. I had... <laughs> yes, I believe that was the theory. <laughs> I had butterfly t-shirts, sweaters, like emblems on things. Like it was, a, it's a lot. I'm lucky I don't have any butterfly tattoos. There are other tattoos, <laughs> but... <laughs> You escaped. That was one thing that you got away with. Yeah, one, one. So Brooke, I'm so happy to have you on the pod. We were just talking that you're friends with some of my past guests. We know each other from the internet, but we've never sat down and had a conversation until this moment. I know. Are we all moving off of the Twitter into like post-social? Is that what we're going to be doing? (laughs) Right, We became friends on Twitter and now we're moving on. We're moving on. Yeah, away from Space Karen's Twitter. The next phase is podcast. I think in the friendship hierarchy, it's like Twitter and then you have to go on each other's podcasts and then you get to be friends. Yeah. Oh my God. You're going to go on pop culture Mondays on Thursdays. I'd be so honored. I would absolutely (gasps) go on pop culture Mondays on Thursdays. That sounds so fun. Okay. So I'm really happy to have you here in summary. And I want to start with this. Tell me, how did you spend your last day off? You know, I've heard some of your guests say like, I never had a day off. I never yes. not work. Oh my God. Let me tell you, tell I me. absolutely take days off. I am yes. a big believer. Best answer. I did not used to. So I understand that mindset, sure, but it's a sure. really, really, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Absolutely. Brooke, you can do whatever you like. <laughs> it's a fucked up mentality. Here and, we go. You know, listen, I will say right off the bat, I am very able to say that because I don't have a kid. So sure. when, when sure. it's my friends who say I never take a day off, Yes, they have children and I completely understand that. My entire personality is basically my dog potato and he (laughs) requires a lot of time. My last day off, it was last week. I was so exhausted from, Mm. I used to socialize 23 of 24 hours a day. I would sleep four hours maybe and somehow pack multiple hours into a 60 minute period. I would have breakfast, lunch and dinner sometimes twice each one with people. Wow, yeah. Now I do one of those things. Like I have a lunch with someone. I'm like, oh my God, I'm mentally drained. And I did a week of sort of doing that socializing. And I was at a conference. Mm. I went to a Harry Styles concert. I did all that. I literally sat, and this was over the weekend, and I did not get off my couch except to go to the door to pick up the food delivery. Absolutely. And from Chow Now. And I watched every single episode of the Sex Lives of College Girls from last season and then the new ones from this season. I'm a big Law & Order SVU junkie. So I rewatched some episodes that I've seen 80,000 times. Sure. I started watching Fleischman's In Trouble. Mm. It was a lot of sitting and then I had to walk my dog occasionally. I know that sounds boring. That doesn't sound boring at all. I will admit, and this is I can't believe I'm saying this. I got two food deliveries that day, a lunch and a dinner. Yes. And I think I got like maybe 2,500 steps in and that was entirely to walking my dog. That's a ton of steps, first of all. So I think that's... That's a lot of your, your, that's a high number of steps. Well, I know when people say if they do take a day off, they do something noble. I do not. I don't. I decompress. No, that sounds like it was like a rest and recovery day, like a much earned rest and recovery day. Yeah, it is. I mean, of course, I'm still on email and I'm so, still on social and sure. I'm still texting. Yeah, you, you check in. You got to check in. I have a question about the two food deliveries in one day. First of all, let me just join you here and say I've done that. 
Thank you for seeing of me. Of course. I, I see you. Postmates, Uber Eats. Sometimes you like to, you got to mix up maybe who's delivering to you so you don't get the same person twice. Oh, but my question true. was going to be, after you ordered lunch, was there a moment where you're like, ooh, I can't get delivery a second time? Oh, yeah. No, I have an inner dialogue all the time. So when okay. I had the lunch, I was like, well, this is great. I'll have a big lunch. And it was, mm-hmm. it was like a throwback to my New York City days. It was a oh. bagel with oh. white fish salad wow. and some potato chips and a Snapple. And I so, didn't even know you could get that in California. I know. It is not the same. I mean, I'm a Murray's no, Bagels not. girl in New York. Sure. There's a hot debate amongst my friends that are New York transplants. And basically, when I ask them, where do you get your bagels in LA? They say, yeah. from New York. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that is the them, answer. <laughs> There's just a clutch decision. There is a little deli uh, down the road for me called mm. Father's Daughter. And it was good. The white fish is good. It's not, okay. you know. It, it did the job. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, this is good. This is going to tide me over. And then I'll, I I say to myself, like, I'll just have yeah. like a little chicken soup or something. For oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. a lie. Come yeah. like six o'clock, I start craving another New York City craving, you which get? is Chinese food. I was going to ask if it was mm-hmm. Chinese or Thai yeah. because yeah. that is the perfect dinner takeout order of, for a day like you're describing. Yeah. That's it. And I mean, yeah. and it's also like if I had cameras on me, I yeah. would would not order what I ordered, but because of course. nobody was watching, yes, I was able to do it. I feel like we need that every once in a while. Like the knowledge that no one is around. No one is judging exactly where on my body I've put the bowl of pad thai or of pad siu. Do you oh know what I mean? Because for example, I might do like a lean situation where my feet are up on my table and then the bowl of pad oh. siu is just sitting on my stomach. And I do have a moment sometimes when I do this where I'm like, Imagine if someone could watch this. <laughs> it's true. And and thank God there's no one watching me, but my yes. dog will sit. Like I'll <gasps> do that exact maneuver yes. where I'm sitting with my feet up, leaning back on the couch and I have the bowl and my dog sits underneath my legs. Like, oh my God. <laughs> waiting for something Yeah, for to little drop. mishaps. Yes. But you know what? Nothing drops. No, of Nothing. course not. Because you're a pro, nope. Brooke. Because you're a professional. Okay, this is not your first rodeo. Also, your dog's name is Potato. Is that right? Yeah, Potato. And this is a French bulldog? It's a French bulldog. Oh, my God. He's got more followers than me on Instagram. Does he really? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's at Potato on Instagram. Wow. In fact, we have had some brands reach Mm -hmm. out and offer money for his handle. And I say no. (gasps) He has to earn a living. So he does do a little brand (laughs) influencer things here and there. As he should. That's good. But I'm not going to sell out his brand. No way. That's because you understand brand values. I do. Unless Lays wants to come to me with like a million (laughs) dollars. Yes, there is a price. Let's be real. There's a price. (laughs) Yeah, they they so far haven't really broken to that level. But if it's a million dollars, you can have have that potato, I assure you. I would respect that 100%. I think that sounds great. It doesn't come with the dog, just the handle. Definitely does not come with the dog. The dog, (laughs) I mean, also a price, but it would be several million dollars. It's good to know. Everything has a price tag. Yeah. I love potatoes so much, but for $5 yeah, million, dollars, I can get another Hey, one. you can get another dog. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Probably he might be listening. No, we don't he's know. definitely listening. He's oh my God. right under my table right now. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, if he trips you on your next walk, you know why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know who's clumsier, him or me, but it's a tie. That's fair. Do you think that dogs take on the qualities of their owners? Oh, my dog certainly does. Really? Like Do you think he seems like you? He's a conundrum. Like he's really, <laughs> really snuggly and and cozy at times. And then he's like a complete asshole aggressor. Okay. Like, 
has total separation anxiety, does not yes. like people leaving. He likes yep. when people come, but does not like when people leave. Very, very much like me. Oh, I get that. Yeah. And he's very lazy. Like, listen, I'm very driven, but we just said there are times when I can really totally decompress. Yeah. But I never had a dog before. I grew up with dogs, but never, you know, like the way that you do, it was always the dog just showed up in my life. Like I, yeah, yeah. P- other people fed the dog, other people yes. walked the dog. I had never understood the dynamics, but I never had an, a dog as an adult. And now my friends who have dogs say this is very strange, but I have to wake my dog up. Most of my friends' dogs like wake them no, up. No, they wake them up. Yeah. And they want to be fed or whatever. No, 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 no. I have to wake my dog up. And sometimes I wake up way too early for him. So I'll wake up at six and go and do my yeah. thing go and make my lemon water and some coffee and come up and finally stir him by seven maybe that must be such a cute way to start the day though stirring a little french bulldog it's really cute yeah yeah like i said see my dog is my entire personality yeah that's nice (laughs) that's good though you can have a check-in then you can see how the dog is behaving throughout the world and then you can kind of be like how do i feel about this my litmus test. Exactly. Exactly. A good foil or a good mirror, really. So Brooke, is there a song that whenever you hear it totally takes you back in time? Yeah. I've heard you ask this question. So yes, but before mm-hmm. I answer it, I have a very strange connection to music in Ooh. that even though I'm, I come from tech and you wouldn't imagine a rock and roll side of me, sure. I have a rock and roll side of me <gasps> and was in a relationship for many years early, early on with a, with a musician in a well-known band. And as a result, I have been so fortunate to be literally in the studio watching some of the greatest bands from R.E.M. to U2 make what? albums. That's incredible. I will hear songs like any R.E.M. song will bring me into that moment. But like certain U2 songs that I remember being able to sit and listen to them as they were laying them oh down. Oh, my like, God. I hear them and it doesn't matter where I am. I'm immediately mm-hmm. brought back to that moment in time. But there is one song that where regardless of where I am or what I'm doing and what year it is mm-hmm. will literally bring me back to high school. And that is, do you remember that song Forever Young by Alphaville? Yes. It goes like, forever, forever young, young, I want to be. be. Yeah. Yes. And it brings me back. It's like, I think that was the background song or like the main theme song for our like video yearbook in oh, 1992 okay. in my high school, you know, obviously pre-technology, pre-internet, pre any oh, of yeah. that. Yep. And it just is one of those sort of nostalgic, mm. like oh, when we were teens songs that will always stop me. And I will be driving. I don't care if there's people in my car, I will yeah. tell them to stop talking and turn the music up really Yes. Loud. Yeah. That song has been sampled by a number of other songs too. It has been. And it, so it keeps having a resurgence, but it's still this sort of iconic, I don't know, it's like a teleporter for me. Yes. Where I am in my awkward 17-year-old self in high mm-hmm. school where I pegged my jeans and wore scrunchy Australia, whatever you call it in your hair, that spray mix to make my hair no, crunchy, it, curly. Oh, 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 okay. Like okay. the Aussie spray or something. I don't oh, remember. Oh, yeah. Yes, the purple bottle. Yeah, the purple bottle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What is pegging jeans? Oh my God. The pegging the jeans is when you, you had this like whatever, like generally straight leg, but you would fold them over at the bottom and then roll them twice up. So you, you like fold over the excess material at the bottom and then you rolled them, not one, like roll them once and then twice. 
Just Google that. That was the look look. of the 90s. It was really unfortunate. Then Mm. you would wear like your ankle socks and your Keds. Usually they were like guest jeans and you you pegged them, rolled them. and But you didn't just straight up roll. You had a fold and roll. That's a whole new level. That's taking it to a level I didn't previously know existed to fold and roll. It was really a problem because like we didn't have skinny jeans then. But if you got like a slightly narrower jean and you didn't have enough material to fold... Mm -mm. Like hysterical meltdowns with your mom who bought the jeans. Like, no, you had to have enough material to fold and roll. It sounds like you knew what was going on fashion-wise. How would you describe yourself in high school? Completely unsure of who I was or what I wanted to be. I'll tell you that. I'm very different than I was in high school, Mm. but yet at the core, I am still me. I was figuring it out. I think we're all figuring it out. I was not one of those cool girls. I had friends in all different groups. I had not figured out the Jewish girl hair yet. Okay, interesting. I have like curly hair, but not Hmm. curly like you imagine, like, you Mm. know, those luscious locks of like you just come Mm -hmm. out of the shower and they're automatically these gorgeous curls. It's more like you stuck your finger in in a socket in your hair sort of like it's curly (laughs) is like one way to describe it some curls some waves all different directions a disaster we didn't have the benefit of youtube and all of that which has Mm -hmm. been my friend in terms of my hair journey um but i didn't know so it's like first of all they permed hair at that time they did when people did highlights it was actually called frosting and it looked like you had like spaghetti in your hair did you ever do anything outrageous to your hair as a result yeah I begged my mom for quote-unquote highlights and she took me to a look like a really bad like it wasn't one of the high-end yeah yeah and so they did they put like this mask on my (gasps) like this this thing on my head like a hat and then they string the hair through it oh my god holes so yeah it it was bad I did do something in my hair there was a point at 10 where I was a tomboy. I really was. Mm. And I refused to wear girl clothes and I cut my hair as so many kids do, right? Played with yeah, scissors yeah. whatnot. So I ended up getting really, really short hair, which was, I have a very round face. It's just not the most cutest look, but I had a little tail. Oh God, it's so awful. Oh. And then I wanted blonde hair. My mother okay. I was too young to get my hair colored. So I somehow got my hands on a bottle of sun in, which is... Oh my God. Yeah. The idea was that you spray it in your hair and then you get heat on it. It does what the sun would naturally do to your hair. Yes. That's not true. It turns you into an orange basketball. And so the more I sprayed and sprayed and sprayed, I remember being in the bathroom and being so excited. And then the hairdryer and sprayed, sprayed, sprayed like the entire bottle. And my hair was like fluorescent orange. It was not a great look. And I remember I went, my mom was picking up plane tickets from our travel agent. Wow. This sentence gets more and more 90s. (laughs) This was probably 86. This was 1986. And I was 12. And we go to the travel agency. I was just there. My mom was dealing with yeah. like probably a sullen, petulant 12-year-old. Sure. And my my parents were flying first class, but yes. I was flying coach. I was really petulant about it. And then the travel agent looked at me. I was wearing like, you know, oversized clothes and I had my yeah. orange short hair with a tail. The uh, travel agent said, but don't worry, you get to sit in the back and flirt with all the flight attendants. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. And I was so upset. 
that. Wow. That travel agent took you on a one-way trip to reality. Yeah. And I became very girly after that. And that's sort of where I got, like, I became very girly. But you asked how I was in high school. I was a rebel. I was definitely the girl searching for something. I get in trouble. I would drink at parties. I would do yeah, headstands. Yeah. I was yeah. smoking cigarettes because I need something in my hand. I was going to Grateful Dead shows quite a lot. Sure. Um, and trying to find a community. Like I think we all do, yeah. but I came from the suburbs of New York and we got ourselves into a lot of trouble. There was not sure. a lot to do. There was just a lot of troublemaking. Did and- you get to go into New York unaccompanied as a teenager? Yeah. I was very mm, cool. fortunate. I would get in trouble every time I did. But. Oh, okay. So you, but you weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, I would get in trouble. Like I would somehow find trouble. Oh, you trouble. would cause trouble. Yeah. I see, I see. Well, trouble would find you. Exactly. It did. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I got arrested. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. It was, we were having a lunch for my grandmother at the top of what is now the MetLife building, which is the building above Grand Central. Yep. And uh-huh. it used to be called the Pan Am building. And my dad's office was in there. Sure. And there was like a restaurant on the top for people who worked mm. in that building. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you came from the suburbs, like the Metro North train, you could theoretically never go outside in New York City. You would take the train, yeah. yep. get out of the train, be in Grand Central, and then take escalators and an elevator yes. up to the Pan Am building, now the MetLife totally. building. And that's what my dad did. Like, God bless if my dad even saw the city for the those, those years. Wow. But I was in the city. I was a rebel. I was smoking like Marlboro lights at the time. My mom or dad asked me to go downstairs and pick up some flowers for my grandmother sure. at one of the little flower stands in the lobby of Grand Central. And you have to yeah. remember it was a different time. This was probably 1990 and mm. smoking was everywhere. People smoked. Yes. There were still smoking sections and everywhere. There were smoking restaurant. sections on airplanes. There was smoking yeah. in like you could smoke while you were grocery shopping. And wow. I wasn't even addicted. I was just like, it gave me something to do. Again, talking about outfits, I remember an outfit I was wearing. I had big pockets. Mm. It was like a pink dress with little white polka dots. And I threw my little marble lights and lighter in the big pocket and the money yeah. to go buy the flowers. And I took the elevator and escalator down. And I'm now in that grand central, like main concourse that's yes. so exquisite. Oh, and stunning. It had probably been like four or five months since I'd been in there. So I got the flowers and then I stood and I, where I would have normally, I, I lit up a cigarette. I was trying to yeah. buy time before I go to the tedious family gathering. Mm, okay. And I didn't have anything else on me. I didn't have my wallet. I didn't have ID. Yeah. I had nothing. And then these two cops come over and they're like, put that out. (gasps) And I was like, what? And it turned out they had just put a no smoking ban, you know, in in Grand Central at that time. Really? Okay. I look very young. I look young now for my age. I looked when I was 16, I looked like I was like 12. So they asked me for ID. Because they think this is a kid smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And I didn't have ID, but I had a hundred dollars because that was my dad. I guess I hadn't bought the flowers yet. I had a hundred dollars. They were like, why is this child with a hundred dollars and a pack of cigarettes? Oh So they took me to the Grand Central police station (gasps) and you didn't have cell phones. Were you scared? I go downstairs to pick up roses for my grandmother and I get and like hauled get arrested. <laughs> yeah. So finally I was able to communicate to them that my parents were just upstairs and it was a whole to do and wow. Everybody was embarrassed for me. <laughs> Did you stop smoking after that? I smoked socially. I mean, I yeah. smoked socially. But yes, those who've, who are listening that know me, I actually had open heart surgery two years ago because I was born oh with gosh. this heart thing. I certainly knew that and I shouldn't have done any smoking. Yes. But when you're a teenager, you're immortal. And you're, whatever people tell you to do, you do the opposite. So, Have you read the book Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf? I mean, of course. 
Virginia Woolf, you know, my lord. A true force. But the first sentence of that book is, of course, Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. And I think <laughs> oh, there's just so some, great. something there between that story you just shared and the first line of Mrs. Dalloway. That might be, maybe I'll change all my all my code names to Mrs. Dalloway. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a oh good my one. God. That's a Brooke good one. Dalloway. Oh, it's so good. Brooke Dalloway, honestly, an incredible it name. It sounds like a soap opera name. It does. But in the best, like, most opulent way. Yeah, good. I like love the that. nighttime, like Dallas or Dynasty. Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. After 6 p.m. And yeah. after 6 p.m. soap opera name. Oh, those were the days. This is definitely a walk down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brooke, tell me this. Do you have any truly, and I say this word kindly, but like truly useless talents? Like something you're good at that just never comes up that you never need to use it? Okay, so I was an English literature major. Mm, oh, okay. Of course you and know Virginia so, Woolf. Of course I have Virginia Woolf. And I actually studied for a semester at Cambridge in England for on this great American, great European, great English writers. Yes. I think my focus there was mainly Jonathan Swift and all of that. But one mm. of the things I had to study was Chaucer, Canterbury okay. Tales. Yep. In Middle English, and I've memorized half of it. I know oh, it. like it's like a party trick in Middle English. Really? One that April the showers soaked the draught of March hath pierced to the root. I could go on. I could literally sit Brooke. here and put your entire audience to sleep. Oh my, but they'd be so informed. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I think that is my most useless talent. It's not like a party trick. Oh, absolutely. Middle English, like nerd literary party True. trick. Has that ever come in handy? For the right guy, it can be very flirtatious. <laughs> <laughs> and when you find that they find that flirtatious, are you like, that is a green flag or a red flag? Oh, what I mean, do you think? First of all, I obviously, based on my dating history, do not care about red flags and just plow okay. through them. <laughs> But if they are responsive to Chaucer in Middle English yes. and impressed with that, then yeah, I keep, I mean, to me, it, it, it's a green flag. It's probably flag. a red flag, but I am colorblind, I guess. Love I it. Know. Okay. It's a flag. It's we a don't flag. know what color. <laughs> it's a flag. <laughs> oh, that's such a good one. Brooke, big question. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something like pretty inconsequential that you would totally go to bat for. Okay. I can't lie. I thought about this because I've heard you ask uh, your guests this question. Yes. And I've thought about it. I do remember Kara Swisher saying the environment, which I was like, really, Swish, not a tiny <laughs> hill, like recycling. Like, I don't know if she knows what that expression means. So yeah, like, okay. kind of a large, <laughs> kind of a giant hill. That's, I mean, she is an overachiever. So there you go. But I will say this is something that has bugged me. And I honestly want to open up a hotel just to fix this problem. Okay. Anybody who travels or stay, like any hotel, like it doesn't matter. Yes. The nicer hotel seems actually so many times are the guiltier ones here, but hmm. here's the thing, the bathrobes at hotels. And it's not just the quality of bathrobe. I don't okay. mean that. Like, though they can be like, they're the ones that are that stiff terry cloth that yeah. feels like it's yes. been dipped in like starch. And then totally. the really, really oversized ones are the small ones. But I don't travel with my own bathrobe, but usually I've ordered room sure. service. I've just come out of the shower and then yes. ding, ding, they're at the door. And I'm like, shit, I grab the bathrobe and it yes. is tied to that fucking hanger in Ugh. a way that is like, you have to drop are, everything and yes. untie it. It looks like it's just hanging on it, but it's yes. looped around the hook of the hanger. Mm -hmm. And then you finally wrestle the hanger out of it. And then the sash, which 
is yeah. not connected to the bathroom. It could be. No. It has the hoops. But then you have to find that and you're holding it and you're yeah. yelling at the door like, one minute. And it's, why? Why do they make it so challenging? Why? If they just had a simple, beautiful bathrobe, they put it on yes. the hook, you know, it can have a yeah. little sign saying this has been, this is a clean bathrobe, whatever. Yes. The military style knots that they <sighs> tie it around the hanger, it drives me nuts. Like I have thrown hangers on the ground with, yeah. the, with the bathrobe where I've just given totally. up. Totally. Like, what is my life? This sucks. Wow. Okay. Fantastic hill. First of all, to get the quality piece out of the way there, we're just totally aligned. I mean, of course, the robes need to be nice. My favorite place I talk about all the time. So anybody who knows me knows that my favorite place in the world is this little island oasis in Jamaica called Golden Eye. Anybody who's dreaming of a perfect getaway, it is remarkable. It is not in a tourist area of Jamaica. It's yeah. Sort of, in between Montego Bay and Kingston, it's a good hour and a half drive from Montego Bay. And it's in this little place called Orcabessa. And the owner of GoldenEye is the legendary Chris Blackwell, who's Jamaican. But he was the guy who discovered Bob Marley and the Whalers. He discovered Whoa. Grace Jones-Sign, was the manager Whoa. of Peter Tosh, of Steve Winwood, of U2. He signed them. He started Island Records. He's a legendary cool. music man. He's in his 80s now. He's my everything. Has unbelievable eye for this lifestyle yes. and hotels. And he started GoldenEye like as a place for people like Bono and Mick Jagger and them to mm. have escapes where they're away yeah. from the public and they can just sort of enjoy the beauty of, of Jamaica. And it's literally like Swiss Family Robinson. It is. There are huts, <laughs> very low key. You never wear shoes. It's just perfect. That sounds he so He has nice. the most incredible bathrooms. They are just like, there are materials that come from different parts of the Caribbean or sometimes yes. he has the Fretta ones, but they are just simple. They fit everybody perfectly. They have a larger one and a smaller one and they're just sitting on a hook. So there's no difficulty extracting that robe from the hanger. No, no difficulty. The quality is flawless. It feels perfect for when you come out of that hot sun and the ocean and then you have yes. that. And it's not too soft, but it's not heavy. And it just, yes. it's the thought. And I asked him about it and he really put a lot of thought into the bathrobes, like the towels, yes, the bathrobes. Because that's the level of attention to detail you need for something like that, like that kind of resort or that kind of hotel. Absolutely. Like I don't go to like a business hotel, like a Marriott Courtyard and expect to have a nice bathroom. Right. Okay. And it's like, I don't even probably right. use their bathrooms. But if I'm going to a luxury resort and I'm spending yeah, quite a bit of money. Yeah, you would expect that kind of stuff to be taken care of for sure. It's that or when they give really bad products. That's crazy to me. The cheap bad products that you don't even mm -hmm. want touching your skin and you're like, no. this is a Ritz Carlton? Like, what's wrong with you? That would, that's insane. Okay. So going back to the hanger though, I'm going to posit a theory as to why it is this way. I've racked my brain. This is my thought. Okay. So I think that especially in the last probably 10 years, 15, maybe even, I don't know, 20 years, but for me, I'm, I'm thinking at least the last 10. I think that a lot of things that were previously complimentary amenities at hotels and on planes have now become like paid amenities. So things that used to be free, you now have to pay for. And I think that bathrobes, it might be to some people that that's something you can like take with you from the hotel right. in the right. same way that you would like take soap or take that little notepad by the phone or whatever. I wonder if subconsciously they are giving people more time to take it off so they can read that little tag that says like, this is not complimentary and $90 will be added to your bill. Just a thought. I know some hotels that have really beautiful 
bathrobes that they do sell. Yeah, a lot of them do, I think. But they're not keeping you in mind, I think. Because like you said, when you're grabbing the bathrobe for utility, that is a time-sensitive situation. Like a man is knocking at your door with a stainless steel plate of French fries. (laughs) He's right there. It's getting heavy. He's going to drop it. You're naked. You got to grab something. They're not thinking about you in that moment. No. And so I nine times out of 10, I am wrapped around like the room service guys have seen me yep. basically naked because I you know what? put a towel around and I'm like, you can yep. just put it right there. And then inevitably they're like, can you sign? Why do I need to sign it? And then you need to like awkwardly hold the towel and I'm sign I'm holding with the one towel hand. with my arms like, and I just grab. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I can tell you start to finish. I know how this story ends and it's the yeah. same and it drives me nuts. Yeah. I think that we've explored this a lot. I understand this hill completely. And I really do. I think that hotels should take a cold, hard look in the mirror. Yeah, let's start a hotel, Alexis. <gasps> a non-technical Brooke. hotel. Oh my God, let's start a hotel. And everything is non-technical around it. It's like the opposite of a business hotel, but all about luxury and efficiency. Okay, literally think all about luxury and efficiency is a phrase that resonates. It's we can resonant. explore this. I'm excited. Yes, please. Oh, that sounds great. Okay, tell me this. Do you use emojis? Yeah, yeah, too many times. I mean, again, I'm 48 going really? on 16. <laughs> Why too many? Well, because I respond to like grownups with emojis. Grown-ups. Like the, C- <laughs> the CEO of a public company that is well sure. known who's just gotten off CNBC. I'll, I'll yep. send like a fire emoji and a, yeah. a heart eye emoji to let them know I they did a good great. job. <laughs> I, that sounds, well, at least to moi, that sounds completely acceptable. <laughs> I mean, it's like big thinking over here. Big thing. Well, Brooke, as a strategist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just respond <laughs> to powerful people with emojis. But yeah, exactly. Thumbs up, heart, sparkle emoji, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I'm really get you. excited with new emojis. I think I use too much the shrug emoji, the girl shrug. Too shrugging. much. You think you use it too often? Too often. And then I also okay. use the monkey with the hands over the eyes too often of because course, the world no we're in right now, it's basically like everything about Twitter and as I call Elon now, Space Karen. Anytime somebody says, can you believe this or whatever, I just do a... Because sometimes you can't believe it. Yeah. And then people will yell at me. Kara will yell at me and she'll be like, you have to see it. You have to face it. And I'm like, it's just an expression (laughs) via an emoji. I just don't want to process it right now. Next time she sends you that, then send the one with it covering its ears. Yeah. And be like, okay, now I'm looking. (laughs) Why have I not thought of that? Damn it. Okay. It's all good. I'm here for you. Thank you. Anytime you need help, like texting someone, just send me a text. We'll work I'm on it. I'm your girl. I appreciate that. (laughs) I do feel like I'm very excited when new emojis come out. Like I I remember when they came out with like a sushi emoji and I was like, finally, finally there's a sushi emoji. A former guest of non-technical Jenny A. Lee was primarily responsible for the dumpling emoji. Oh, I do remember that. Also a huge win for the emoji community and the public in general. A huge win for those of us sitting on our couch with a bowl of pad CU and a side of dumplings. We need to represent this using an emoji. I am a big soup dumpling girl. So (gasps) I do the spoon and the dumpling quite a bit as well. Do you order those? I do Trader Joe's has frozen soup dumplings. I didn't know that. As one of their, you know, Trader Joe's is ridiculous. It's yeah. so crazy. Like I've bought their like frozen kaji pepe and it's so good. <laughs> and it's like, how lazy am I? I can't boil freaking water and just make <laughs> my own. But okay. There's more to kaji pepe. There is cheese. There is pepper. It's real basic, but... I will say it's an art form, the the Trader Joe's frozen soup dumplings okay. and how you cook them. Yeah. I will say the soup dumpling game is stronger in New York than it is in LA. And that's just a distance thing. That's like interesting. you can get them much faster and the soup is still like sizzling inside yeah. those gorgeous, glorious oh, dumplings. God. 
by the time they get to me in LA, generally speaking, they've already like all leaked out. I get it's that. Really, there's nothing more disappointing than getting a thing of soup dumplings and That's all really the sad. soup is out of the dumpling. That's really sad. The worst. Yeah. Wow. I'm sad now thinking about it. I am it. sad also thinking about it, but I'm also <laughs> hungry because <laughs> that I sounds know. so good. <laughs> Okay. So if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? It's very strange. I was a child actor. Oh, really? I was very, very into acting. I had no fear in terms of auditioning. I was in every play. I went to summer theater school. On the East Coast? On the East Coast. I went to a school called Kent. Oh, I know Kent. I went to Kent, but at that time, Kent, I only lasted a year and a half. People probably don't, who were there, like, she went to Kent. It was two campuses at that time. Now it's one campus, the okay. beautiful, what you would imagine, boarding school, like Hotchkiss, yeah. you know, Dead Poet Society. <laughs> I very much need aesthetics. Like it, yes, I have, I have dyslexia and, and weirdly aesthetics. If if I'm unhappy with my surroundings, I don't function properly. I relate. I relate a lot to that. Right? And yes. Hotchkiss is beautiful. Yes, Kent stunning. at the time, the boys' school was, it was right on the Housatonic. It mm. was exactly out of Dead Poet Society, you would imagine. Like green and brick and ivory, uh, ivory, what do you call it? Ivy. ivy. Oh, ivy. I- and I'm like, ivory, that doesn't, that's not the right word. <laughs> I'm sure there's like an ivory tower reference somewhere in our brains <laughs> yeah, probably. that makes sense. <laughs> but I guess the Kent had during, to the women's movement of the late 60s, early 70s, was forced to comply and mm. build a women's school because it was only like so many of these boys only. Yep. So they built a women's campus separate from the boys campus, which was like four miles up the mountain above Kent, like in the oh. in this mountain area. Huh. And it was built, I think, over a weekend with some bulldozers oh my and God. tar. Yeah. And it was rumored to have been used for the backdrop of jail scenes in All My <gasps> Children. It was like four cinder block semicircle buildings oh around God. like a tar driveway. Oh my God. And like my memory is like one tree. It was so cold and uninspiring and sad. It looked like a hospital. So I hated it. And that's when I stopped acting. Oh, really? Yeah. I stopped acting there because they were very preferential to, like, it didn't matter what your talent was you, if you were a senior okay, or you got preferential oh, sure. treatment. Yeah, so yeah. I was put on stagecraft. I did mm. stagecraft. And then actually I stopped acting in college. It was really the freshman year in college when sure. I was once again in stagecraft. And okay. I was like, I can't, first of all, I have no artistic ability mm. whatsoever other than maybe acting. And even then I probably wasn't that good. Another thing that was unfortunate is that I, I cannot sing mm. no matter okay. what I sound like a dying cat even you could train me all up and down like sure. have the best it's just it's not happening but I will say I love theater and I am a musical theater junkie whether it was Hamilton or Town or yeah. any of these I love but I remember specifically the first time seeing Hamilton and I was sobbing because mm. I was like, I've made all my wrong life choices. <gasps> like I would have been happy to be just a background player. If you yeah. ever saw Hamilton where they're dancing yes, with the yes, chair? Yes, of course. And they're just doing their and they're holding the chair and throwing not even a speaking role. Yeah. I was like, I would give up everything to be able to do that. Really? So seeing that show made you question all of it. All of it. Again, I have no skill sets when it comes to singing mm. or dancing. So likely would have been a very disappointing <laughs> for me. The opportunities get smaller if you only are or like a talkie actor, right? Oh, sure. And I, didn't, I certainly didn't have the glam to be that. But if I could wave my magic wand, it would have been some talent in the musical theater department. Wow. That would have been it. Oh, yeah. 
There you go. Breaking news. That is breaking news. I love Hamilton. I love theater. It's very emotional. It's very, very emotional. And it's the story. It could yeah. be just the songs. And they have obviously a certain cadence to it. Yes. Hamilton in particular was so, at the time, revolutionary. I agree. I've never seen anything yeah. like it. And I just remember like losing myself in thinking about what the character actors were like outside of being on the play. Like uh-huh. you were all going out. Yes. And they all crammed in a, in a small apartment together and they all got like ready together and put their makeup on together. And it was like, again, I keep going back. It's like community, right? Which mm. is so important in all facets of life. I just remember thinking, you know, of course I'm, I'm putting a cherry on top of what probably is a very hard, very competitive, very yeah, certainly, emotionally certainly. draining career. But in my fantasy, it's like, kumbaya, we're all besties and we're all part of this amazing revolutionary performance. Totally. So if you weren't doing what you do now, what I'm hearing is that it would be something in the performance space, like acting, if singing was something that was on the table, maybe singing. But what I'm really hearing is that it would be a lot of like, community and camaraderie with other creative people all kind of gunning toward that same thing, whether it's a show or a a movie or something like that. Yes, exactly. I remember, I don't remember what the name of the play was, um, musical, but Randy Zuckerberg, you know who she Uh is. She's Mark's sister. She's an incredible advocate for women. And she's grown up in public because of Mm. just the the nature of who her brother is. But Mm -hmm. she's now very involved with crypto, but she was very musical theater. I know she's a producer now, but she got a role in this big, fun Broadway show. I forget. It was the one that was based on like the heavy metal 80s music. Oh, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Oh my God. Good for you. I could not remember it for the life of me. And she had a role in it for a few months. And I went to see it obviously. And I, in the evolution of theater now where you can like go in with like a little sippy cup of wine and some peanut M&Ms, like Uh. my mother would be horrified. It's just not her way of doing theater, but (laughs) it was so fun. And I just remember like, I was so excited for Randy, but I also had that twinge of jealousy. Yeah. God damn it. That is the dream. Now, she's very talented in Mm -hmm. the musical Mm -hmm. theater department, but it was such such a thrill to see somebody of our world, a friend, be able to live her dream. It was so cool. I wish I would have the opportunity to do something. Have you ever thought about doing something like singing lessons or taking an improv class or something instructional where you would still get to perform, but it wouldn't be at the like Broadway level? Yeah. You know, singing is never going to happen for me. It's just, it's just, let's just call it. I've been asked multiple times in like choirs when I was younger to just lip sync. It was just, it's just. (gasps) What? How dare they? Trust me though. If you heard me sing, you might turn your opinion on that. Casey Newton, who's this incredible journalist. Another former guest of non-technical. Oh, was he a guest? (laughs) I didn't hear that one. So he did improv and. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does improv. So funny. It's really helped him. Not, I mean, he does it because I think he loves it, but it also has helped him with his career. I've thought about that. And now that I'm in LA, I'm sort of like, okay, before I was always traveling so much for work before COVID that to sign up for anything, whether it's a writing class or Mm -hmm. an acting class or an improv class, something outside of my business just felt impossible because I never knew where I was going to be every couple of weeks. But now as the world has opened up and I'm here and I'm definitely in LA more than I'm in New York at this moment, I feel like it's the time. I support you fully on that because I agree. Because I also took improv classes for a long time and did improv, formed a team. We sold tickets to shows in San Francisco. No way. And it probably helps with your entire, like... Oh, it's actually, it's how I started comedy was taking improv classes. So, Brooke, 
tell me this. This is a two-part question for you. Uh-oh. First Maddie. part is who would play you in a movie about your life and what chapter of your life would make the most compelling movie plot? Oh, she is beautiful. And so that would be feel very good. I am obsessed with Miss Flo right now. Okay. Florence Pugh. And yes. I think she's such an incredible talent. She's and so talented. I find her darling. She has a round heart-shaped face like yep. I do. So she could be a younger version of me. I could definitely see her playing you. I think that's a perfect pick. I love her, especially when she's weathered all this drama as somebody who's a pop culture junkie as mm. I am outside of my work. I found how she handled the whole drama with Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, and yeah. Don't Worry Darling movie with such grace yes. and such yes, class yes, yes. and so smart in her social media, like what her outfits yep. were and her, she just was very, very smart. And she's she could have been just another classic, beautiful, blonde actress starlet yep. for a window of yep. time. But there's something clever about her in in terms of her savvy and how to handle personal storytelling and the broader picture. And she just, she to me was, is the epitome of sort of like, there's more to her than meets the eye. And I, I feel agree. like I have been discounted because of how I've looked on either sides my mm. whole career. And there's more than meets the eye to people who, you know, when they get to know me and I feel like Florence, Miss Flo, as, as they call her. Miss Flo. Is somebody that connects to that. So that would be that. It's going to have to be her. We're going to have to go with the flow. Go with the flow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hope that's the name of her autobiography. It should be. Okay, so then what <laughs> chapter of your life will Miss Flo be portraying? It's such a great question. I love that you ask people that. I mean, it depends if we want a tragedy or a comedy. I mean, okay. I really mean that because, you know, I did go through something quite extraordinary as a 22-year-old, and that is my parents died. Mm. And it so was... Sorry. Thank you. I, I, you know, I've, I, it's very strange to have now gotten to that crossover point where I've lived longer without them. Yeah. Than I have, yeah. I had with them. And I was very, very close to my parents, complicated because it is in any, you know, teenager, young adult. And I hadn't gotten to that place yet where I could show them who I became. Yeah. Yep. And I was, you know, they saw the worst of me. I was slightly entitled. Mm. My parents raised me with this amazing, amazing passion for learning and seeing mm. the world. They were absolutely convinced that you, the more cultures you experience, the better of a human you would be. And totally. that, so I was very privileged in mm. Being able to, at a very young age, learn and live and study in places like France and England yeah. and Costa Rica and China. And again, a huge amount of privilege. And they didn't want me going into a job because they wanted me to focus on studying mm. and traveling and seeing the world. That was my job. My job was yes. to understand and appreciate cultures. That's I wasn't amazing. a dilettante in that way, but I didn't have that narrative of working really hard as a kid. I babysat, mm. right? Yeah. So... But I also don't think to my parents, they were old fashioned. I don't think they really anticipated raising a career woman. They expected oh, to raise somebody who okay. was going like, see the world now. Yeah. Do what you can, but you'll get married and have kids. Yeah, sure. That, sure. So like live your life now is really, my parents did not raise me with an understanding of like, I sure I could be anything, but I didn't have a passion for okay. like, a, yes. I didn't see myself being a career person. So it was that change over of being that girl who's sort of, you know, sheltered and protected and yes. a little, a little spoiled. 
and then had to come through it after my parents died and figure out my own life path and and figure out how they were people who subsidized my life at that point. Right. And there was no recourse after. There was not yes. like I didn't inherit an estate. I didn't inherit. There was lots of complications. So I, I inherited debt and it was like I had oh to start God. over and I started in the dot-com world at that beginning of the internet age in 97 in Silicon wow. Valley. And then I was also dating a rock star. So it was like those oh three things God. were crazy. But then I think about my 40s and like what a transition and mm. my selling my company and having open heart surgery and moving to Los Angeles. Oh my God. There's just different stages. So I, it's hard for me to say, but maybe it's a sweeping biopic. Oh my God. God, Brooke <laughs> Hammerling, ladies and gentlemen, are you serious? There is so much there. I know, I know. My friends would say instead of Florence Pugh, it would be Kate Hudson because like Almost Famous was, it was very much my life as that movie came out. I was very much okay. like living that life. Penny Lane? Penny Lane, yeah. And that was my code name by a lot of the people in the music industry at oh the time God. when it came out. And I knew a lot of those people in the movie. I was a girlfriend, but technically like a Band-Aid, as you call it. Well, what calls to you most? Because honestly, these could be several very good movies. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be like a Netflix series, like The Crown over oh my God. sweeping, yes. you know, history. I love looking at my past, but I'm also very much focused on the now. So the most I interesting see. part of my life is the now. Well, then maybe what we'll have to do is when we meet with Florence. Okay. It sounds like she could be a good creative collaborator with us. Yeah. She's probably not someone that takes notes, as they say in the industry. I wonder which story would call to her. And then we could go that way. Let her run with it. <gasps> so we can meet it. You can come out to LA. We'll go yes. to San Vicente Bungalows. I'm already loving this plan. There could be nothing that comes next in this plan, and I'm already down. <laughs> <laughs> Crack open a bottle of rosé Perfect. We'll just like brainstorm. The Great. Film. We'll just brainstorm and then she can decide. And then maybe she's looking for an opportunity to like EP because you mentioned you really respect sort of her brand and her expression of her values through that. And so maybe she'd be a cool creative and business collaborator too. I really think this is just the beginning for what Miss Flo has. I think I she's, agree with you. I think she's an incredible talent and um, I can't wait to see what comes next. Well, you have a lot of good stories to tell. So that's going to really be what powers this picture. I will write a book one day, but a lot of people have to be dead. So okay. I'm hoping that, <laughs> or I have to be dying. So it's just like adorable, yes, but it's like, perfect. it's it's like Betty White. If she wrote a book in, in her height of her fame and, yes. her, and talked about all the men that she'd yes. been with or whatever, people would have been shocked. I'm sure. Shocked. But if she'd done it in her, you know, the later in life, right yeah. before she died, it would have been adorable. Would have been adorable. Just adorable. So That's I want to be adorable. I love that. Not shocking. Yes. <laughs> Or at least shockingly adorable. Shockingly adorable, I'll take, I'll take Perfect. it. Perfect. Brooke, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Knock, flexible, reliable notifications infrastructure that's built to scale with you. Take notifications off of your engineering roadmap and get back those resources, baby. And by resources, let's be real. We mean time and money. Building notifications infrastructure in-house takes time, and time is money, and that money could be spent on way better stuff, like um, podcast ads, for example. That's just, I don't know, that's just the first thing that came to mind. Knock's powerful features include pay-as-you-go, no upfront fees, and no infrastructure setup required. Created to handle even the most complex notifications use cases, Knock is built for scale and resiliency to power your enterprise. Knock, knock, who's there? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a powerful API that lets you engage users, power cross-channel workflows, and manage notification preferences. I cannot believe I got this ad copy approved. Get started today for free at knock.app slash non-technical. That's K-N-O-C-K dot A-P-P slash non-technical. And we're back with Brooke Hammerling, founder of The New New Thing and writer and podcaster for Pop Culture Mondays. Brooke, we have arrived. We have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what you got. We're going to find out together. We have arrived at the lightning round. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. It's okay. There's like no pressure. It goes so slow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm on pins and needles. Okay. My first question for you is coffee or tea? Coffee. Even though I am a complete Anglophile, I've never crossed into the tea. Never. I am a black coffee girl. Me too. Yes. Yeah. And this whole like, I go to these coffee places and I try to feel pressure to get something that's like, and I'm always disappointed. I just want a black coffee. I'm with you because we're better than everyone else. We are. We're better. That's just how it works. Mm -hmm. That's people who drink black coffee and then there's everybody else. Yeah. And that's true. Sorry. Them's the breaks. Do you have a favorite board game? Clue. I love Clue. I love Clue. I have a room in my house. We call it the Golden Girls room. And it was like my dream. It looks very much like their living room out of, you know, the Palm Beach, whatever it was, Florida 80s. Lots of floral, lots of rattan. Yes. Lots of bamboo. And I have Scrabble and I have Othello. I have Monopoly. I have Clue. You know, I know a lot of my peers will be like Settlers of Catan or Risk, but whatever. Those are two of the most mentioned names of games on this podcast. Guarantee some of them are lying and they're just like, they're not. (laughs) They want to be like Mr. Green in the library with the candlestick. They wish. They could (laughs) never. Who's your character or who is who you like to be? That's a good one. I don't remember now all the characters because I actually just weirdly watched the Clue film. For the first time? Or you mean you saw it recently? Oh. Since it was in the movie theater in like the 80s. Oh, but man. It's, it's such so an incredible good. cast. And they they created different endings. And so when yes. you went to see yes. it in the movie theater, you would get, you wouldn't know which ending you would get. So um, but I always really was like, I also wore like this Halloween costume like four years in a row in college, but like the naughty French maid. Oh, nice. So of I course. was always, that was classic. I'm a big yes. bitch. That's <laughs> I was exclusively Miss Scarlet, always. Oh, God, of course. And her character in the movie was amazing. That's just. I highly recommend if you guys haven't seen Clue, it is is fun. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen Clue, just stop listening to this right now and go watch Clue. (laughs) It's so good. All those movies, that's my genre, those 80s movies and early 90s. Oh, God. That's awesome. Have you ever read a book twice? Yes. I've read many books twice. Well, you've read the Canterbury Tales approximately (laughs) 5,000 times. (laughs) So you haven't had a ton of time to read other books twice. (laughs) I was an English lit junkie. I loved weird mid-century and like post. So I've read like a lot of Don DeLillo and Mm. Tim O'Brien. But there's this book by this woman that's been recently made into a series. And I I think it's on HBO, but it's called Pachinko. I don't know if you've read it. I actually read it twice. It's huge. It follows a family starting off in like in Korea before when it was like in the 1800s. Yeah. And Japan and this sweeping sort of novel around 
around Ooh. different generations of this family and the sort of integration of what it was like with Korea and Japan. And it's incredible storytelling. And yeah. the book is massive. All my friends' books, like oh, everybody's right, written course. an amazing book. Yes, like, you've loved Julia them. Boston has read When Women Leave, but I, I don't read them twice. I yeah, have I listened to some audiobooks that I've also read that are friends because I like to hear. Yeah, I like hearing them. I like that too. Well, this is a great segue though, because my final question for you is what would you title your memoir? I now want my name to be Flow. So we yes. could go with the flow. I mean, that would have been amazing. Go, amazing. go with the flow. I know that is um, good. You know, I've thought about this before. My my mom's favorite expression and talk mm. about when I, you know, I would write a book and I would not want to shock people. But my mom's favorite expression, when she used to always say things that she didn't approve of, she would say, it's so N-O-K-D, <gasps> which meant not our kind, dear. Oh, And so I sort God. of always thought that would be a good memoir, like <gasps> not our kind, dear. Yes. In parentheses, N-O-K-D. But then recently it's been like, you know, if I could see a funny memoir where it's just like my entire personality is my dog. That would be yes. the headline. I like both it is. of I those. Mean, I have a tattoo of my dog on my arm. I don't know if you can oh see that. Oh my doc- God, bro. A Dr. Wu special of that potato. That is incredible. And it is like, you know, people are like, oh, Brooke doesn't have kids. She's not married. So I guess we're just going to send her Frenchie gifts. Like it's, yeah, it's a little, great. it's a little, I have Frenchie mugs. Like it's enough. Like I've become that yeah, okay. person. You've it's reached- You've hit the quota of French bulldog. I'm gonna have to get another type of dog, like a corgi, to throw everyone off, or get a second French bulldog. Really, no, no, I can't. I feel need to. I need to throw people off the. the Okay, we need to throw them off the side. Okay, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow, I love both of those book title ideas. I'll read either of them. I can't promise I'll memorize them all the way through. I'll workshop them. Perfect. You amazing, (laughs) and maybe with Florence. Let's get her take. Unless I write it in Middle English and then I'll make you memorize it. If you write a memoir in Middle English, <laughs> I will certainly do my best. I really Inspired will. Inspired by Chaucer. Perfect. Lots of dirty, you know, it sounds less dirty when it's in Middle English, I guess. That's the secret. Dirty. Yeah, that's yeah. why you can get away with anything. Indeed. Oh, uh, that would be another good one. You can get away with anything in Middle English. <laughs> I mean, we could sit here all day and workshop fun, fun uh, titles. Well, we know we're going to do that when I come to LA and we get the bottle of rosé. Yeah, and after I've done my improv class, I bet yes! this, will, this will be a much easier response for me. Oh, this is going to be a great day. I can't wait. Well, Brooke, speaking of great days, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. Thank you, Alexis. I love it. I get. I mean, being able to be a guest on a podcast I listen to is just oh. so extraordinary and it's wow. so, so fun. And I hope everyone reads my newsletter and then you have to come on my podcast. I was just going to say, where can people find more about you online? Well, my newsletter, you can subscribe. Subscribe to it by going on Medium. It's medium.com slash popculturemondays. You can also tweet at me and I'm at Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E on Twitter. And I'm at Brooke on Instagram, B-R-O-O-K-E. I am now, unfortunately, did not get the at Brooke handle. I know who did on this new <laughs> post social, but I'm at Brooke Hammerling on post social, whatever that is. Sure. My podcast is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and you can hear that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Wow. Okay. I'm subscribing right now. I cannot wait. And I would be thrilled to come on your podcast. We will definitely, I will send you an email. We can definitely do that. No problem. More to come. Okay, Brooke. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, or at Non-Technical Pod in all those places too. One more time, Brooke. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alexis. is amazing. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. 